Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where, when teenagers from rival families get engaged, everybody compares it to Romeo and Juliet as if that's a good thing. Book number 34, Forbidden Love. Will an engagement ring come between Maria and Michael? What a question. Hi, <laughs> welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart, and with me today is the wonderful Elizabeth Schmidt. Hello. Hello. Um, Elizabeth and I are uh, friends now from the play. Yep. Elizabeth is an actor, and we met recently when uh, the play happened uh, back in uh, episode 31, Tim, the one of the directors of my play, Mere Conception. Um, which in 2019 we put on here in Los Angeles, yep. was a guest, Mark Sullivan, who was a, your fellow actor mm-hmm. in the play. It's a two-person play, was on the show many moons ago. I think it was episode 18. Ooh, okay. I think it was 18. It was still early 19, on. 19, maybe. Okay. Showdown is the name of the book. Well, that's an auspicious title. <laughs> it is, definitely. And um, I'm very excited to have you on. Someone who maybe r- knew about these books, unlike Tim and Mark? Yes, I certainly was a consumer of the Sweet Valley franchise. You were? Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Okay, tell me more. Um, so timing-wise, like I, I definitely, I feel like, was the a- like, appropriate age for Sweet Valley Twins, but Me too. Yeah. And that's like what I should have been reading. But I feel like I found Sweet Valley High at the library and I would read it. And like, I don't think my parents quite knew. And like, there were a couple racy ones that I remember in particular thoroughly enjoying. Um, <clears throat> they were early on, I feel like probably in the teens. I can't remember what they were called, but I definitely read these sure. and enjoyed them growing up. That's amazing. It's, I'm just thinking as you talk, we have had listeners write in a couple of times and say that they also like sort of secretly read the books or their parents had no idea. And it really would be easy for parents to have no idea. The books, I think, look fairly innocuous on the on the covers. To some degree, though, I mean, like high, like the Sweet Valley High, like teenage mm-hmm. stuff you think would be like potentially a trigger mm-hmm. if you were paying attention as yeah. a parent. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They, I, I, also, I think as the books go on, so we'll talk about the cover of Forbidden Love in a moment. Even Great. the title Forbidden Love is a little bit like... It's a little racy. Yeah. Although this is one that I think parents would probably approve of yeah, heartily. The, it, well, yeah. These books for, you know, throughout the 80s, the covers of the books had these, you know, lovely oil paintings on the cover of the main characters. But when you get into the 90s, when you look at those books, they get thicker and the covers get a little bit more sort of soap opera meets Fear Street. Like there's something more intense happening. Oh, okay. And I do think that these earlier books, just thinking about it off the cuff, like I think that the thinness of them, because they're very short books. Yeah. And the like sweetness of the picture on the front would lead you to think, oh, no biggie. Yeah, it's not too bad. I don't need to monitor this. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue, more perfect than maybe in the whole history of Sweet Valley Diaries, (laughs) to talking about the cover. Yes. I gotta pull this cover up here because I have not... Uh, oh, yes. Look, you've got your book right we there. Have, we have the book. Um, so, uh, listeners, there uh, are two people on the cover. We're assuming, we're making the leap that it is Maria and Michael who are featured in the story. Now, let's pause, hard pause real quick. Listeners, who we call gladiators here on Sweet Valley Diaries. Amazing. 
you may have no idea who Maria and Michael are, and you cannot be blamed for that. Yeah. Uh, Beth, you are coming in somewhat blind to the series. Maybe you thought, oh, I just forgot about Maria and Michael. No. Maria and Michael, this is their, their star turn in what is essentially their first book. So we'll get into who Maria and Michael are, but let's continue. Great. We have the two of them on the cover. The woman, Maria, is gazing intently at a ring on her finger. <laughs> Big ring. A nice, solid ring. Good job, Michael. And she is holding on to Michael's hand. Um, they both have dark hair. And um, Michael <laughs> looks um, bizarrely, intently at the crown of her head, <laughs> not really into her eyes. Not, they're not looking at each other at no. all. They're both gazing at something else. He's sort of into the either her head or like the ground. It's like a distant, vacant stare. That it, it, it is, it's vacant is an apt um, phrase. And he has his arm around her, yeah. you know, implying love. She's certainly taken in by the ring. Um, and I don't know if this is premature, but at least from the actual description in the book, I don't feel like they look anything like these people. <laughs> They're, like Michael is described as wearing glasses and like having a, di- a totally different vibe than this guy. Yeah, in my mind, as being handsome. This also this cover has the classic Sweet Valley High cover problem of that they both look so old. Yeah, yeah, he looks absolutely. Easily thirty. Yes, <laughs> and he well, looks- he is a senior, he- Marissa. <laughs> That's so, a good point. There's the expectation Junior, that he's older. Senior romance. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. He's only 17, though. Yeah. Or I, or I think there's actually speculation. Like, people are like, I think he's only 17 is something that gets said in this book, I'm pretty yeah. sure. People don't Shocking. know Michael Harris that well. Yeah, so these people have never been mentioned in any previous book? Let me elaborate fully. So, Maria Santelli has been mentioned primarily when cheerleaders are listed. The Great. names of cheerleaders. Okay. Michael Harris did not get a mention really until the last book Mm. when in between the A story and the B story, like a couple little, little, uh, pops of Maria and Michael, what's going on with them. In fact, the idea that they had gotten engaged was planted at the very end of the last book. Okay. And that is gladiators, how this book starts with Maria and Michael are engaged and it's the talk of the town. It's, we actually enter with Elizabeth and Wakefield nominally our stars Although they are background players of this story. Yeah, which is interesting. I feel like I was never as excited. I always wanted Elizabeth and Jessica, I feel like, to be like the primary focus. Yeah, what you're saying, anybody listening to the show right now that read these books when they were kids is just like, amen, sister. Because (laughs) listener Shannon recently commented on Instagram like, I hate all these people. And this is not a direct quote. Sorry, Shannon, if I'm misquoting you, but like, it was uh, the last book, which was about two other characters that we don't really care about, yeah. Sally and Dana Larson. I'm like, I don't care about Who this. are these people? And it's like, my, my reply was something like, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to hold on for a few books here because yeah. we have a stretch of minor characters in the spotlight, Yep. which way back when I had my Sweet Valley Diaries blog, which does still exist, sweetvalleydiaries.net, I have a category that you can search by that is called minor characters in the spotlight. Amazing. And this is definitely one of those. Yes. Yeah. So Jessica is really excited at the outset of the book about mm-hmm. the new gossip. And, and she's coming. There's a lot of cheerleading practice stuff. Mm-hmm. So she is really, really excited about the romance of it all. And Elizabeth, not so much. Elizabeth is 
very skeptical of the whole business. She she was actually even in the subtext, even in the the few moments that the previous book gave us to glimpse this storyline. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth was already like, this seems like a bad idea. Their teenagers don't get married. Yeah, she's making a bad choice. And right off the bat, I highlighted a passage really early that just sort of captures the story real quick. I thought it might be helpful to kind of ground things, but also really, really encapsulates Jessica and Elizabeth's uh, differing stances on this. So, if I may. Please. Jessica hugged her knees with excitement. It's so wonderful, she gushed. I can't believe someone in our very own class is getting married. Her expression was dreamy. I wonder if I'll get to be a bridesmaid. I can wear flowers in my hair and everything, and maybe I'll catch the bouquet. Jess, Elizabeth said sharply, I don't think you realize how serious this whole thing is. There's more to marriage than just a ring and a wedding. Maria's only 16, and Michael can't be much more than 17. Michael Harris was a senior. He and Maria had been dating, but no one could have imagined that they would be getting engaged. Who cares, Jessica responded. Mr. Collins says Juliet was only 14 when she met Romeo. Age, she added authoritatively, has nothing to do with anything. I could go on. I mean, you uh, can always go on. I could just read the whole book. Yeah. But, uh, oh, but we're leaving out a very significant detail about Maria and Michael. It's not just that they're young and yes. they're getting married, but their families. Forbidden love. Right. It really is Romeo and Juliet. So, well, sort of. It's yes. not quite that B- Based scale. on some random business situation that apparently at some point went wrong. The book can't even be bothered to no. explain it to us. <laughs> There's no idea of like what their business was, what actually happened. Yeah. There's just some sort of illusion that they were in partnership. The Santellis and the Harrises, like the dads, were yeah. business partners. Yes. And that something went down and they got annoyed with each other and didn't speak anymore. Yeah, like really mad. Later on in the book, it tells us a little bit more. And it makes it seem even more ridiculous because it's like Mr. Santelli found out that an important client was double crossing them and he dropped the client without consulting Mr. Harris. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, if on this podcast we talk about how just a little bit of communication can really solve a lot of problems. And this is a really good example of that in the backstory. But mostly this conflict exists. I actually think that the if we're going to critique the book, they probably could have cooked up something a little bit uh, juicier. Than yeah, this certainly innocuous. juicier and certainly, yeah, like a little more fraught with yeah. like real tension yeah. as opposed to just this like random business situation that meant everybody split up and that for some reason the parents, I guess we learn midway through, I feel like, that they were friends. Michael and Maria were like friends. When they were kids. When they were kids. And the parents were like, you can't see them anymore. Yeah. And they started dating. And then they also were forbidden from dating when when the parents found out. Did the parents find out about the dating? They did. And that's why Maria has invented a fake boyfriend named Josh. Right. Who she always says she's going to do things with. By the way, why aren't her parents asking to meet Josh? Why are they like okay with her walking four blocks, apparently? to get picked up somewhere. Or they're never like, why doesn't Josh pick you up in the driveway? Why do you always have to (laughs) walk to meet him? Because she and Michael, we should say, in case it's not obvious by now, not only is their engagement a secret, their entire dating is a secret. They're sneaking around. um, Because they told their parents that they broke up way back when, but they never did. Right. And so they have this meeting point that's a few blocks away from Maria's house where Michael picks her up and drops her off. But yeah, the the parents are being kind of dumb about Josh. Yes. Uh, The Santellis. Wakefield parents aren't the only bad parents in town. (laughs) 
Um, really, the Santellis and the Harrises make the Wakefields look like mom and dad of the year. Well, there you go. So that's where the first kind of, well, I say the first, that's where one of many weird things about this whole story comes up. The Maria and Michael are engaged. It's a secret. Their whole dating life is a secret. But Maria has kind of told everybody in school. Well, here's her mistake. I feel like she tells like two or three people. Oh, yeah. She tells Kara Walker and Kara Walker tells everybody. Yeah. That. Thank you. That's one yes, of the There other, was like one uh, person and that's one of the cheerleaders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it just goes right. from there. And so the fact that the cheerleaders know, I mean, the cheerleaders are the biggest are going to tell everybody. school for the most part. Um, famous gossip Caroline Pierce, reformed gossip, comes up sort of in the subtext later on. We'll get to that. Okay. But yeah, but there, Maria, it, you know, it seems dumb for her to tell everybody about the engagement, even though they're not telling their parents yet. But as the book unfolds, we learn that part of the whole engagement thing was that Michael and Maria are so sick of lying to their parents. And Michael thought, if we get engaged, then... Will they'll have to understand that we're serious yeah. and that this we yeah. really love each other and it will help make things better. Yeah. But he, I mean, I guess he does give an explanation at the very end. I know we don't want to give it maybe away yet, but like he does sort of justify eventually why he doesn't, he's reluctant, even though he says that he wants to tell mm-hmm. his parents that he never does. Yeah. And I never found that to be particularly well resolved, like his justification for why he didn't. I kind of think that he didn't really think it out because he's 17. Like, I think that's really the best. You know, that Maria and Michael, I think, both really believe that they're in love and they believe that their engagement is legit. I think that maybe the book is subtextually suggesting that the whole engagement was more about their upset about their parents, about their their parents' war and the way mm-hmm. that it split up, that, that it's kind of messed up their families. Yeah. And less about their love for each other. Yes. And that's why Maria, one of the conflicts between Maria and Michael um, in this book is that Maria keeps on saying, why haven't we told them yet? You said that was the whole point of getting engaged. Why haven't we told them yet? And Michael's always like, my mom's sick or now's a bad time. My dad's been in a bad mood. He always has an excuse. Yeah. Which is just kind of weird. Yeah. Let, now let's, let's uh, go through the various complications of this story. Great. Which, where should we start? I can think of a few complications. Oh gosh. I don't know. Well, I mean, I feel like one of the maybe kind of B storylines, if you will, which I found particularly enjoyable and honestly, because of getting to do our play together, um, it brought up in my mind from a mere conception baby think it over was the idea of doing the mock marriage. Yes. So the history teacher for mm-hmm. some reason, Mr. Yes. Jaworski. Super weird. It was the history teacher and not some sort of like ed yeah, class. Like, yeah. So like, um, yeah, or like sex home ed, or yeah. something or yeah, health, something like that. Yeah. They, I think that, but like home economics is literally what this is. Yeah, you're right. Cause so, they start talking about, about a budget. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Mr. Jaworski, uh, is the history teacher. He has this whole project that all the kids are involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, putting aside like that it is a, in, from a 21st century lens, an extremely heteronormative and gender normative well, situation yeah. because everybody's being paired up with husband and wife teams. Yes. It, it really jumps out when he basically has the boys pull girls' names from a hat and you know they're saying yeah. who they'll be married to for this project. Oh, yeah. But Mr. Jaworski, man, he's put a ton of work into this. He's got these whole binders that are different for every couple and everybody mm-hmm. has a job and everybody has a family situation. Mm-hmm. How many kids do they have? 
have. They also have like tensions, like specific problems that each one is going to be dealing with, be it unemployment or like a problematic child. Yeah. And so Maria and Michael randomly get a uh, big coincidence. They yeah, get assigned. They get assigned to each other and everybody's like, oh, that's going to be so amazing. And they are excited initially, I think, to be paired together. But they, you know, conflict ensues. I actually have this because I, I pulled this quote. Oh, great. So they're talking about their different jobs. And Maria laughed. Michael's a veterinarian and I'm a housewife, she said. Can you believe it? I must be the only wife who didn't get a job. Being a housewife is a job, Michael pointed out. Maria rolled her eyes. I mean, a real job, she retorted. I'll trade with you, Jessica volunteered. I'd much rather be a housewife than a part-time manicurist or whatever I am. So, like, there's already drama involved in terms of their uh, frustrations with and differing expectations with each other. And that certainly gets exacerbated with when they have issues about how to take care of their pretend child. Right, right. So this whole project is really funny. Jessica is paired up with Winston. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, listeners, Elizabeth, you, you, Elizabeth, don't worry about this. But gladiators, Elizabeth Wakefield is paired with Bruce Patman. And she is like happy about it because she thinks it'll be fun and how Bruce is so different now that Regina is in the picture. And Elizabeth and Bruce have some weird history that oh. I don't understand. But anyway, and also weird future if we're going to take um, Francine Pascal's uh, Sweet Valley Confidential uh, at its word. But that's all um, shop talk. Um <laughs> I have a big passage about Maria and Michael's problem that eventually comes up later in the book. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell this random anecdote. So when I first wrote about this book for the blog, I included a video link to this little clip from an episode of Saved by the Bell, where basically this exact thing happens. Did you ever watch that? I loved Saved by the Bell. I don't know if I remember this particular episode. So it's exactly the same thing. It's like all our main characters are paired up. And of course, Lisa and Screech are paired up. And the episode has this whole scene of their interaction. Is it the turtle powers? It's the turtles. I'm taking her name. (laughs) Okay. And Lisa pretends that she doesn't speak English. Oh, Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Uh, Lisa no en casa. (laughs) I love it when you speak German. What do you want? I was fired today. So? I don't think I have the strength to go on living. Okay. Lisa, your husband needs more support. But eventually, Lisa seems to be allergic to Screech. That's kind of how it works out. So I found this little clip, and I, I probably should not have... But I posted it on the internet just as, just so that I could people could watch it from my, my blog. I couldn't find it anywhere on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it was just a little scene. And it's been up there ever since. That was like 10 years ago or something. More than that, maybe. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, I get an email from YouTube that the video has received a comment. The comments are very strange. It's always like specific things about like how Lisa is, is mean or boy, if Lisa were... In nowadays, you know, she's being harassed or like, I don't blame yeah. Lisa. Screech is annoying. Like, like random little things will come up like that. Yeah. And I always wonder, how did people find this video and why? Or is this like a robot? Like, I always... Uh, oh, gosh, it's the Russians. Yeah. Getting in on the, the debate about <laughs> Saved by the Bell and yeah. 
permission, gender permission or whatever. Yeah. Well, as long as uh, we're talking about this, uh, this is jumping ahead in the book, but I think it makes sense. We're talking about this particular arc. So Maria and Michael are taking this assignment more seriously, or Maria specifically is taking the assignment pretty seriously. Everybody else is just goofing around having fun. Mm -hmm. That kind of makes sense, right? Because she is learning things about Michael, like the fact that he wants, does, does he really want a housewife? Yeah. All right, so they have Mr. Jaworski has given them these problems. Everybody and they're they're reading their problem out loud. Okay. <clears throat> okay, here it is. Your 12-year-old son is in bad trouble. He's been caught shoplifting twice and the police have threatened to send him to a home for juvenile delinquents if he's apprehended again. You've consulted a psychologist who has suggested family therapy. What will you do? Oh no, Maria moaned. I wish we'd gotten something easy like our house burning down. Well, this doesn't seem very hard to me. There's no point messing around with psychologists. Anyway, we can't afford it. We didn't factor it into our budget. So we just tell the kid to get in line or else. And I'll see to it he doesn't do it again, whatever it takes. Maria's eyes widened. You don't mean you'd hit him, do you? Why not? Sounds like he needs it. Maria looked horrified. You're not going to hit our son, Michael. He obviously needs a psychologist. Your attitude is probably the reason he's doing this in the first place. Can't you see this is just a cry for help? That's dumb, Michael said. I don't believe that sort of stuff. It's all pop psychology. Well, I'm going to go to the psychologist with him, Maria said, glaring. You can do what you like. Maria, Michael said, putting his hand over hers. Her voice had been a little loud and a few of their classmates were turning to stare. You're taking this way too seriously. It's only a game. Maria picked nervously at the edge of her notebook. I don't think it's just a game. I think it's serious. So that's that's that. Um, I I mean, you want to give Michael the benefit of the doubt and say maybe he's joking, but well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with physical violence towards your child, yeah. I he. I mean, maybe there are, like, some clues throughout. I felt like for the most part, though, those instances where he suddenly has, like, random outbursts don't seem and, like, say kind of controversial things like, I'm going to, you know, pop our kid off as opposed to taking him to a psychologist. I don't necessarily feel like are completely motivated throughout, like, the course of the whole book. Like, he doesn't overall seem like a person who would be doing... He has that. he has some flaws. Certainly, he's possessive. I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, but I guess it's supposed to surprise us. It surprises Maria, and she's been dating him for a long time. They're engaged for Pete's sake. So. How how long have they actually been dating? It's a good question. How long does anything take or last in the Sweet Valley High, where it's always junior year? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the permanent junior year. Yeah, it does not seem like. They know each other very well, or they have been dating for all that long, or like, yeah, the history. Another interesting thing about Michael and the psychology thing is that later on in the book, Liz says something like, sometimes it really helps to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, this conversation has really helped me a lot. And I thought about that and going back to this, like, hello, Michael. Or I think Elizabeth actually says to him, sometimes having an outsider's unbiased perspective is all you really need. Like, it's very much, like, defining, you know, psychology. Yeah, and he's totally fine with it. That's why I felt like he has these, like, random, like, complete 180s. So, like, either he's, like, 
joking, like you can't joke about this, but like bi- bipolar or he's just, yeah, it just is very confusing in terms of like the creation. Yeah. That, it, that's why I, Michael, I almost do kind of want to think that he's a teenage boy who's like joking around, which I right. can actually absolutely imagine teenagers that I knew in high school who were very nice and would never hit their kids joking about stuff like this in the guise of a project. Like how far can I go right. with my joke? Like, yeah. But that yeah. do, that would make more sense to me too. Um, but it worries Maria quite a bit. Yes. Another thing that worries Maria is Michael's uh, growing possessiveness. Yes, which shows its ugly face because of Winston Egbert, the class clown. Yeah. So, any thoughts on Winston? Did you remember him? I did not remember him to be. Fair. I feel like the only people that I actually remembered are probably Jessica, Liz, and I have a vague recollection of Lila. Sure. Very memorable. And she does yeah. factor fairly strongly into this She's book. involved in this as well. So yeah, Winston is much more of a fuzzy figure in my mind, for, like historically. But um, he seemed great um, and sweet. And I mean, I know that he was presented as the class clown, but is, at least with Maria, incredibly earnest and is now trying to... Um, be running for this random position representative like from the student council to the PTA yeah I it's think weird liaison in college job. we would have called it the ombudsman or the ombuds person he's like the go-between between the yeah. PTA and the student council he, but he's it's like a whole campaign that he's running it's very involved and it, yeah it seems very much more important than I would think it would be. And Maria has been helping him twice a week. She's essentially his campaign manager. Right. She's done a really good job. And she has learned of him that, you know what? He's not just the class clown, who, which is what everybody knows him as. And that's right. what he's primarily presented as through the book. He's also really thoughtful and caring and smart. Mm-hmm. Now, I would think that as someone who has read these books more than once, like everything we've read so far, I would actually say that the history of Sweet Valley really supports this. Winston is very um, thoughtful when it comes to his schoolwork. We mm. see him working hard on like a history paper. We see him, he, he takes things seriously when he's not putting on a show for people. Okay. He's like a good guy, yeah. generally speaking. So I think readers, strangely enough, actually do have this impression of Winston if they've been reading carefully. Yeah. But Maria is catching on and... She's surprised, happily surprised to be... Were they close beforehand? How did she randomly become his campaign manager? Do we have any... I have no idea. ...historical <laughs> precedent for question. that? Okay. Um, somehow she, maybe the... she volunteered or she they know each other yeah. somehow okay. and he has a bit of a crush on maria yes that he is has no intention at all of doing anything about it. especially since they are now engaged right. so it's, it's not even like a crush where you can hope that like somebody's gonna break up with their boyfriend right it's a it's a hopeless crush yeah. and elizabeth notices that maybe winston has a crush on maria when she talks to winston about maria mm-hmm and Elizabeth is sort of glib about the crush. She's like, don't say, like, never say never. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth has no faith in this uh, engagement thing. Yeah. But that gets into what happens with Maria and Winston is that Maria has to cancel their Tuesday plan. And it, the book shows, oh, she's been dreading it so much, canceling their plan on Tuesday, because she has to go with Michael to, like, shop for a present for his sister. Right. She's like, I don't know why it has to be today, but she doesn't tell Winston that exactly. And, yeah, and that's, then and then she ends up blaming it on her piano lessons, well, so called. Th- yeah, but, well, that's like the next thing. So right. first she cancels Tuesday, right. and then she talks to Michael about it, and Michael is like, "Well, actually, I'll just go ahead and read it because it's all in there." 
Michael has a tennis match that he's asking Maria, like, are you going to come to my tennis match? It's on Thursday. Actually, he says that his sister's going to be coming to the match on Thursday, so we'll have to be careful. Remember to take off the ring, he told Maria. Maria's face clouded over. Thursday? You have a tennis match on Thursday? I thought it was on Saturday. It was, but it got changed. Michael frowned. You're going to be there, aren't you? You know how much it means to me when you come to my matches. Maria bit her lip. Well, the thing is, Michael, I promised Winston I'd help him with his campaign speech on Thursday afternoon. After today... This is the very day that she has canceled on Mm -hmm. him to to go shopping. I really don't think I can just say no to him again. Maybe... You've been helping Winston for weeks, Michael cut in angrily. How much time can it take to prepare a stupid campaign speech? You'd think he was running for president or something. He has a point. (laughs) Yeah. Maria's eyes flashed. She had to fight hard to retain her composure. It really isn't like you, Michael. You're being so possessive, she objected. I mean, you've never acted like this before. Michael turned pale. That really isn't fair of you to say. I'm not being possessive. It's just that I want you to be there on Thursday. Come on, Maria, he pleaded, putting his arm around her and pulling her close to him. I need you more than Winston does. Maria felt her heartbeat quicken. She loved Michael so much, and she didn't want to argue with him. It made her feel terrible. It's tough. So manipulative, Michael. I need you, baby. Yeah, it's totally manipulative, um, he, it's always about him. He, she needs to go support him, which would make sense that he wants the housewife who's mm-hmm. going to always be there for him. But like you said, he also points out rightly so. Like, How long is this taking? Like, this does not seem to be necessary for you to be like, this is a dumb yeah. campaign. But on yet another hand, uh, we also then learn that there's only like one more week until the campaign. So Maria like essentially drops Winston with a week less. Yes, she's not and, helping him out. And, and then it's like, well, either either it's no big deal because you've basically almost gotten him all the way there, mm-hmm. or it's no big deal to to tell Michael it's just three more days afternoons. Yeah. Like give it a you know yeah. pump the brakes and then I'll be with you all the time. Right. But it's still a whole big thing. You know, it's, I mean, when you think about it, it's 16 year olds who it's life is so dramatic. It actually, it's the perfect setting for a soap opera. It makes a lot more sense than an adult soap opera. Yeah. Um, so when Maria cancels with Winston, Winston is upset, but she, yeah, like you said, piano lessons, she makes up a story about piano lessons mm-hmm. and Winston confides to Elizabeth. And this is when Elizabeth gets involved a little bit. Yeah, um, which is surprising, right? I mean, in terms, she doesn't like, Jessica is the one who wants to get involved and meddle. Elizabeth wants to probably control and give advice from up on high. You, I mean, you just said it exactly. So we should probably mention, now is as good a time as any, that Jessica is involved. She has her fingers in it because Lila and Jessica, and I guess Kara? Yeah, she's mentioned. Are planning a big engagement party for Maria and Michael, but it's going to be a surprise party. And it's a secret. I mean, they're acknowledging that it's still a secret engagement. Nobody is still supposed to know. Right. But it's just going to be their 50 closest friends (laughs) who are going to be there. But yeah. It's a funny moment when Elizabeth asks Lila and Jessica, is it going to be a big party? And Jessica says yes. And Lila says no at the same time. Right. But then Elizabeth follows it up by saying, well, how many people is it going to be? And they both say 50. Yes. Which I thought was actually a funny little bit of humor because 
like to Jessica, 50 people is a big party. To Lila, 50 it's, people it's is nothing. not a big party. <laughs> she only has to have three servants there. Yeah. Yeah. So... Elizabeth thinks the party is such a bad idea that she doesn't want to go. She's like, she thinks to herself how she just wants to wash her hands of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like she sees if Maria and Michael aren't telling their parents about the engagement, then the fact that they're teenagers that are engaged to the least of their problems, this whole thing seems ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So she's also told Winston, like, I'm sure Maria has a good reason. Like, don't worry about it. And then lo and behold, Elizabeth gets a phone call from Maria Santelli, with whom she is really not friends. Right. She doesn't know Maria that well. Yeah. And I was hoping that maybe you, Beth, would be willing to uh, do a dramatic reading with me of this phone call, which is a very juicy little bit of the book. Yes, I'm very excited. Encouraged, Maria continued. See, Michael's changed about things like this since we got engaged. I guess it really changes the way a couple behaves. I don't see why it should, Elizabeth told her. She didn't add the thought that occurred to her, that Michael's possessiveness and jealousy seemed to be a strong signal that all wasn't well with the couple, engaged or not. Oh, you wouldn't understand, Maria said quickly. You and Jeffrey haven't known each other all that long. And you two don't have a real commitment to each other yet. That's true, Elizabeth said, secretly annoyed. She shifted uncomfortably on her bed. I'm not sure I really understand about Winston, but I guess it really isn't my business. It's between you and Michael. Yes, Maria said. I didn't want to bother you, but when I talked to Winston, I told him I'd try to think of someone who might be able to take my place, you know, help him out with his speech, kind of give him some moral support between now and next Friday. The thing is, I couldn't think of anyone. Winston is touchy about this. It's the first time he's really ever done anything in public that isn't a comedy routine. When I saw you two having lunch today, it was like a light bulb going off. You'd be absolutely perfect, Liz. I know Winston would be happy and... Maria, Elizabeth interrupted. If Winston wanted me to help him, wouldn't he ask me himself? Maria sounded offended. He's probably too shy, she answered. Don't feel you have to answer right away, she added quickly. Maybe you could think it over and let me know tomorrow. I think I can let you know right now, Elizabeth said, trying not to let her impatience show. She didn't like the way Maria sounded at all. It seemed irresponsible to Elizabeth for Maria to have quit on Winston, and inappropriate to try to arrange a substitute without letting Winston think or act for himself. In the first place, I'm way too busy to do anything for the next week. I'm helping Jeffrey with a special photo insert for the Oracle, and I've got tons of homework. I really don't have time to take on anything else for the next few weeks. You said in the first place, Maria pressed her. Does this mean you have another reason besides being too busy? Elizabeth hesitated for a moment, then said, Well, I just don't think I should get involved. You and Winston had an agreement. It seems to me that you owe it to him to follow through. Maria was silent for a minute. You just don't understand, she said softly. For a minute, it sounded as if she were about to cry, but the next minute, her voice turned cold and angry. You just don't know what it's like being engaged, she said accusingly. In fact, I don't think you're trying to understand. I bet you're jealous of Michael and me. Jealous, Elizabeth said incredulously. Why would I be jealous? Maria was close to tears. You're jealous because we're engaged, she cried. And before Elizabeth could respond, Maria had slammed the phone down. Wow, Elizabeth said, shaking her head. And that's what I said, too. (laughs) Wow. And it's funny because, like, obviously this is a crazy outburst from Maria, also out of character. Yeah. And then the next time we see Maria, she's like, oh, man, I really feel bad about what I said on the phone to Elizabeth. I need to apologize to her. But that scene never takes place in the book. Well, she, I mean, understandably, a lot of 
stuff goes down from this point to the end of the book. So she maybe just didn't have time. Well, gosh, I mean, I'm sure I have lots of other things that I highlighted, but I guess we're kind of there in terms of what goes down. Yeah, apart from the fact that, yeah, the whole party itself turned into a whole hoopla. And the one thing that Jessica, I remember, was very upset about was that Lila ended up getting to wear the dress from Lizette's. Right. Lila has the silver dress from Lizette's that was too expensive for Jessica to buy. Jessica has a lot of anger in this book about how she doesn't have as much money as Lila. Yes. And that's not fair. Which is also supported, I feel like, in their class project. She ha- is, is upset that she's only a part-time manicurist in this pretend marriage. Right. Although there's um, a lot of jokes in there about how she... Um, wants to spend all of their budget on her wardrobe oh, yeah. and entertainment. Uh, yes. And Winston lets her, basically. Yeah. But he's a bus driver and they have seven kids. Yeah. Uh, and they live in an apartment. Yeah, yeah. A two four bedroom bedroom. I think it's four. No, I thought it was a two bedroom. Okay, well, maybe that makes I'm more wrong. sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they gave me a challenge. <laughs> or one for Winston and Jessica and one for the, all of seven their seven kids. children. Um, that's just, we're just fantasizing that. But. Yeah. The party happens. Lila invites Michael and Maria and tells them this convoluted story about yeah. her cousin Christopher is back in town and he really wants to see you. They're like, I don't really remember Christopher liking us or meeting us or anything. Yeah. But uh, they, you know, Lila's really proud of herself that she's done a great job of keeping it a secret and they're going to come right at eight. Yeah. Meanwhile, Maria and Michael are like, Kind of in a snit. They're really in the on the outs. And I'm trying to remember I mean, I think it's the like Maria's really upset that she's let Winston down with like all this stuff and I think is feeling a lot of guilt. And she also, I think, is really kind of pissed at Michael that he still hasn't told their parents parents that she she keeps keeps on bringing it up. Yeah. There's he says something terrible to her when he picks her up in the car and they're have trying to have this conversation and he starts to drive away and she's like wait, where are you going? We're not done talking yet. And he's like, we said we'd be there at eight. And they get there and the lights are all off. And Maria's like, maybe we should just go home. And he's like, oh, you really care a lot about your commitments, don't you? Yeah. It's like such a mean thing to say. Yeah. And totally out of line because he's the one who's trying to get her to break her friggin' commitments. But Yeah, totally. But he's also saying things to her that are kind of like, maybe you don't actually care about getting married. Like maybe you don't even want to be engaged, you know, yeah. like baiting her. Yeah. So they show up at the party and Maria thinks to herself as soon as she sees what it is. Oh, and there's like silver bells and white balloons and a wedding cake. It's wedding a cake. Whole thing. And the, what is it? The droids? Is the that droids. The, yeah. yeah. The droids the band. The droids are playing a song that they wrote just for them. Yeah. Those lyrics were intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hold on to your man, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Never let him go. Yeah. This is your future, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, there was a lot of production involved. That's not involved. a direct quote from the song. I don't. It should be. Pretty, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, in fact, probably much more elaborate than their wedding could have ever hoped to be. So Lila probably should have just hired a priest and tried to get them married on the spot. Yeah, that would have really been a coup. She wants it to be the party of the year. Yes, or the greatest party she's ever thrown. Yeah. Okay. So Maria thinks to herself, this is a nightmare. Like, this is a living nightmare. And she and Michael get separated, and they look at each other across the room, and, like, things are bad. Mm-hmm. Now, the book does such a crazy thing right now for the history of the books that I, I also feel like there's another sort of unrelated but interesting passage that I want to get to. Great. These books are about teenagers. They're always about teenagers. Their parents appear. But there is 
I think the, for the first time in the history of these books, a scene that takes place that is entirely between parents. Mm, wow. And it's also between parents that we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so they're new parents. And like the book cuts away from the story of the characters that we know and love to uh, the Valley Cinema. Yeah. And I'm, allow me to read this passage. It is, again, a fairly lengthy one, but those are the past, really. There was a long line of moviegoers waiting outside Valley Cinema for the nine o'clock showing of a new spy thriller. Lydia Pierce, Caroline Pierce's mother, was waiting alone in line while her friend Alice Simon parked the car. Who is Alice Simon? No idea. Whose parent could she be? Again, no idea. She was thinking about several things, among them wondering whether her daughter, Caroline, a junior at Sweet Valley High, was enjoying herself at Lila Fowler's party for Michael Harris and Maria Santelli. To her surprise, she heard a familiar voice behind her. It was Frank Santelli and his wife, Cindy. Frank! Cindy! She exclaimed warmly. It's been months. I don't think we've seen each other since the benefit dance we all attended at the Sheraton. She kissed Cindy Santelli on the cheek. I don't know how you do it, she added. You really do look younger every time I see you. Mrs. Santelli smiled. You're just being kind to an old friend, she said, laughing. She checked her watch. The show should start soon. Did you come with a friend or are you alone? Mrs. Pierce had been divorced for years. My friend Alice is parking the car, Mrs. Pierce replied. You know, I haven't even had a chance to congratulate you two about Maria. I hope you don't think I'm awful for not calling, but when Caroline told me, I wasn't certain if you had made a public announcement yet or not. Maria, Mrs. Santelli said blankly, raising her eyebrows. What do you mean? Congratulate us about what? Mrs. Pierce looked confused, but said, Why, on her engagement to Michael Harris, of course. Caroline was thrilled to be in on the surprise party Lila Fowler threw for them tonight, she added. From the expressions on the Santelli's faces, she quickly realized she had made a grave error. Good lord, you mean you didn't know? She whispered, horrified. What have I done? She wailed. We certainly didn't know, Mrs. Santelli said, shaken. Frank, do you think this could be true? She turned back to Mrs. Pierce. As far as we knew, they weren't even talking. Maria was strictly forbidden to date Michael Harris if she's been deceiving us. Where did you say this surprise party is tonight? Mr. Santelli demanded. I think we better go over there and see what's going on. I I have the whole thing highlighted, but you get the idea. Like they go over to the Harrises and collect the Harrises. So many parent name drops. Such an exposition dump. Yeah. Boy, Lydia Pierce. You can see where Caroline Pierce, famous gossip, gets that's, it from her mom. That's so great. That's such a fun <laughs> tidbit. I was very excited when I realized that she, like the single, poor yeah. single mom, was the one who was instigating yeah. so much of the eventual yeah. hoopla with the gossip. A, what a funny thing to have that be the parent that comes up. And they can't even be bothered to introduce Caroline Pierce earlier in the book. They have to say in this passage. Well, yeah. by the way, Caroline Pierce is a junior at, high, at the high yeah. school. Anyway, so that's when the shit hits the fan. You know, everybody yeah. knows the secret's out. And the Santellis go and get the Harrises. And we see a scene of them together, too, in the car. Like, they make up, basically. Well, it's initially, they're still, like, gruff. And the men are weird. Um, but, yeah, the women are very excited and, like, grateful to be going through it together. And then eventually everybody makes up. Yeah. But again, it's still that weird thing of like trying, you, I mean, we learn kind of more what happened with the business and what, all the stuff that went down, but it was so innocuous and weird. It kind of seemed like all they really needed was to see each other again, to be like thrust into each other's company. And right. then it's just like, oh, you know what, what were we fighting about anyway? Yeah. 
And what were they fighting about anyway? And there's some (laughs) indication that like later on that we learn that like their businesses were like in the tanks independently. Like they needed to come back together (laughs) to be like more successful again. It was very odd. So meanwhile at the party. Yes. Um, Maria and Michael slow dance to the storied song, but it's awkward. Yeah. And then Michael goes away and Maria like makes a real dumb call and decides that she'll dance with Winston a little bit. Like, yeah, get a clue, Maria. Like, this is not the way to keep your, your relationship happy. Though it it seems like she's in the self-sabotage mode of not wanting. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're from a psychological standpoint that she's just wanting to blow everything (laughs) up and then some. But when she agrees to dance, not one, but two dances with Winston, I was very much like, Maria, you know, this This is is not going to go well. Think for a second. And then Michael gets on the loudspeaker and is like, I want to thank everybody here tonight. Thank you so much, Maria. And I really want to thank you. And Maria sees that he has seen her dancing with Winston. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, and I just have a big announcement. I'm running for student council. I haven't told the lady that I need to tell yet, but (laughs) I know that with Maria's support, I'm going to make such a weird move for Michael. Yeah. I mean, it's like a baller player move but it's so like dumb being like yeah "Yeah, and guess what i'm gonna be the member for the student (laughs) council liaison and winston basically runs from the party crying (laughs) like not not fully but she sees him later that he is crying but and maria is livid because obviously she's like not only did you make this up but that makes me look really shitty to winston who is at the very least my friend yeah and he's assuming that i knew something about this and that i would have Right. Not, I would have okayed it and all that kind of stuff. And basically that's it. That's the last straw for Maria. She takes off her engagement ring and gives it back to him and goes after Winston. And isn't everybody, everybody sees it, right? Am I? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very public. Well, like everybody that's right around it. Cause Lila is desperately trying to keep the party going. Okay. But then, then the Santellis and the Harrises come, and Maria is like nowhere to be found. So Michael has to tell them the whole story. Yeah, and I felt very bad for Michael in that point. Yeah. I mean, he's not exactly been great up up until this point in time, yeah. but he took one yeah. for the team certainly, and had to have that tough conversation and was honest about it. Yeah, at least. And then I guess the sort of romantic ending of this book is like it's definitely the romantic comedy, like teen high school romance movie version ending of this book is that when Maria goes to find Winston and explain things to him, he's been crying. Yeah. And anyway, they make up and then they like kiss. Yeah. He is, it's clear that he has feelings for her and she had feelings for him. And like, I feel like she started figuring out when she was dancing with him. Yeah. Too. Like there's some allusion to that. I, the romanticness of this for me was dampened by the fact that I just kept thinking like, you've proven Michael right. You know, <laughs> he was jealous and he had a reason to be jealous. Yeah. So if, if these feelings were that yeah. close to the surface and you were ready to act yeah. upon them that Not quickly. Not to mention, just broke off your engagement like minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're already like in, they, they have plans for the weekend. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a very quick it. turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe it's just like the universe aligning itself is how she sees it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that actually brings us to uh, something that is a fairly new segment on Sweet Valley Diaries, which is my, <gasps> oh my God moment. It's the moment when I'm reading the book and I say spontaneously aloud to myself, oh my God. 
Um, I never planned for it. Yeah, I never planned for it. If I planned for it, the segment wouldn't make sense. But uh, there's not one in every book. There wasn't one in the last book. But this Mm. time there was one. And it was not so much an oh my God of wow. It was an oh my God of you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) She wouldn't deny her grief for Michael. But she wouldn't deny her joy at what was starting between Winston and her. It had been a bittersweet evening, but as Winston took her in his arms, she decided the emphasis was definitely on the sweet. Ouch. And I said, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Michael. In that moment. Yeah, at no other point in the book would I have said poor Michael, but Mm. poor Michael. Yeah. And I... Is that it? Is there, are we missing anything? That's pretty much the... Oh, there, Winston gives a beautiful speech at the student council, and he wins his, his student council thing. Yeah, and I also feel like they um, they had a huge moment. Um, like, A, Michael like really took it in stride that... Oh my God, that he, they're that, so adult about it. That she and Winston are now together. They're going to be just be friends. And they had this wonderful presentation in front of the history class. Oh, that's right. Mr. Jaworski. Yeah, because yeah. they had to do their final project. And they were still paired together, which is, you know, awkward now that they just yeah. broke up. But again, they're taking it really well. What are they, so like their speech about what they learned from the exercise is really like, that would be so awkward. Because it's like, what did we learn about our lives? You know, yeah. what did we learn about what marriage means? Right. And they both had the like, I feel like Maria was the one who kind of led with the ways in which that we were different. Um, you know, and it, sh- it kind of illustrated for us that it, this wasn't good that we were both thinking different about parenting but then he comes up with this thing of i think it's michael who says like you didn't factor in yeah mr jaworski you told us all this stuff about our lives but you didn't tell us how where we met or you know how we fell in love or like yeah and that love would be like in the midst of dealing with challenges when you're in a couple and having kids and stuff and all of the stuff that happens when you're dealing with life what would be binding you and what would help keep you you know, surviving and thriving through it would be love. So yeah. it was like a, a little beautiful moment. And everybody, I think everybody clapped and Mr. Jaworski was like, you're right. Yeah. So maybe next year he'll make a note to change <laughs> right. the project a little bit. Right. I think now is as good a time as any for us to go to the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. Oh, great. Oh, 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 a beautiful boy, a beautiful boy. like to start the boy section of the podcast by talking about Michael Harris himself. Great. She kissed Michael on the cheek and patted his arm. Do you have any idea how good it is to see you? She asked, her voice husky. Probably about as good as it is to see you, Michael told her. Maria felt a surge of pride as she regarded Michael. She loved the way he looked. He was well-built, though slender. His dark hair was neat and short. She liked his glasses, too, especially the way they slid down his nose when he played tennis. And he had the sweetest sprinkling of freckles on his nose. So yeah, you are so right. Not what he looks like on the cover. It is such a poor cover choice. And this guy looks like much more of a Fabio-esque. I just did not 
get a Michael vibe from the yeah. cover. She does think about how handsome he is, but it's like handsome in a realistic way for Sweet Valley, at least. Yeah. What color are his eyes? Nobody knows. This is a weird period of these books where eye color is not factoring in. Oh, but Michael drives a Trans Am. So yeah, that's cool. That we do know. Gladiators, I know you were wondering what kind of car Michael drives. Wait, in that last quote, did you have a thing that, I guess he said that he was so excited to see her? Because I feel like later I'm just looking at a quote that Jeffrey French says, which I feel like is the exact same quote. Okay, go ahead. He says, do you have any idea how gorgeous you are? Jeffrey French said in a husky voice. <laughs> very similar. Very That's like similar. the exact same thing. And then Elizabeth says, you're pretty special yourself, she murmured, resting her head on his chest. <laughs> and then she goes into describing all about him, which is very descriptive. Yes. Yeah, so Jeffrey was incredibly good looking, but that afternoon he looked more handsome than usual. He had a deep tan and his green eyes glowed. His thick blonde hair was bleaching out a little too, and he looked so strong and so protective. Elizabeth sighed with contentment. Overhead, the leaves glinted with fading sunlight. I feel so safe, Elizabeth murmured, stroking Prince Albert's head with her hand. Prince Albert is their dog. Yeah. Um, fun fact. So we had some debate in the last episode where Prince Albert is a puppy. He's new in the book about whether he is a yellow lab or a golden retriever. Turns out he was a yellow lab in book 33. He is now a golden retriever. So I remembered him being a golden retriever because he continues to be a golden retriever for the rest of his life. But he weirdly, starts out. he was born a yellow lab and now he's a golden retriever. Oh, man. The editor did not get involved. <laughs> they just decided they would rather have him be a golden retriever. I don't know. Um, Elizabeth has another funny boys line. I guess Prince Albert is a boy, so that kind of counts okay, um, for yeah. the boys section. But, Excellent. Um, there's another line Elizabeth has to Jeffrey where she says, You dance pretty well for a guy who used to live on a tree farm. What does that mean? I don't know. I think the author was just trying to come up with a way to bring up the fact that Jeffrey had moved there from Oregon and that Aaron Dallas was his buddy because then they set up the whole thing with Aaron Dallas, which was going to be next Which, week. again, was very intriguing, and I wanted to talk about that as well. But the tree farm line was so bizarre. What does that mean? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I think it's supposed to denigrate the fact that you wouldn't be dancing well because you're on a farm, yeah. but, like, the tree farm, like, are you dancing with trees? Like, it was very... And she says, who taught you how to hold a girl like this anyway? Yeah, it's so... Haven't you ever heard of instinct? Jeffrey murmured, pulling her close and kissing the top of her head. <laughs> so oh, yeah. she's like, ooh, this is kissing? sexy. And then it's like, oh, no. no. It's like very paternal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was such a weird moment. And yeah, I was reflecting on how they were teeing up the next um, story. Yeah, let's talk about it. And Aaron's introduction is so ham-fisted and weird, but it's just fascinating, these kinds of serial books, the way that they need to insert the new person. Yeah. And he, like, has he ever been discussed before? And did he have, he doesn't seem like he had the anger management Right. outburst problems so before. Aaron Dallas 
is a recurring character in these books, but the anger management thing is new. I think maybe they might have planted one instance in the previous book. That's how far it goes. Oh, okay. But oh, at least they did that. This uh, podcast is actually really highlights this weirdness of the books because so many of the readers are only reading the one. And then yes. it feels as if something is being planted that is going to get paid off later. Chekhov's gun and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Chekhov's Aaron's anger management problem. Yeah. But it never does. Oh, because yeah. that is the next book, right? So you, unless you have the book, the next book, yeah, it's a, it's a with come you. on yeah. for the next book. Since for the most part, there's nothing about these books that is dependent on the previous one, except for these little threads. Yes, and I, it's so funny how because um, I've been reading like similar serial books with my daughter, and how they do like little sneak peeks and stuff. But they legitimately say like they give the question of can Elizabeth and Jeffrey help Aaron before it's too late? Like, find out and out of control. Sweet Valley High, number 35. It's just interesting Yeah, that it, there's no subtlety involved. Exactly. In, in that weaving uh, it in. It, it Yeah, there really isn't. And, and there kind of never is. Uh, when there is, it is it's really special. Well, there you go. You can savor those <laughs> moments. But I think even less so for these books that are about these random characters. Yeah. Because if it's a series of books that are about the Wakefields, it's a lot easier to have things kind of mesh together. Yeah, be more nuanced. Yeah. Hey, I found, just to close off the boys section, I did find one more description of Michael that is a little bit more like the cover of the book. So maybe this is what James Matthews was reading, the painter of the book covers. Excellent. He was on the tennis team, a tall, athletic guy with dark hair and warm, hazel eyes. Oh, there you go. There you go. He had a healthy suntan, was well-groomed, and had a slightly studious air that had always appealed to Elizabeth. He seemed like a perfectly nice guy. A nice guy, but a husband? (laughs) <laughs> I, like, I like the uh, upswing with that yeah i still don't see it i still think that the cover was not i mean like have a studious air. it's an attractive dude but yeah no you should have put glasses on him i mean it's calling for glasses that but would like made even, him sexier to me though because i have the glasses thing oh so. i love glasses too and it's just this guy does, looks this guy looks like he would like punch in the face anybody who wore glasses like i just don't buy it he kind of seems like that in the book too well, doesn't he but then again he like has this like come to jesus moment with his parents where and then he's like so supportive of maria and winston and, and is very like adult when and talking like around. about love like i just don't there's a lot of i mean i feel like he should be counseling or needs to be getting similar help as aaron does with like anger management like there's just yeah. And again, I'm, it's teenagers. So unresolved mm-hmm. feelings and needing to maybe do some meditation. Yeah. So, Beth, I must ask you a question. And the question is Are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Oh, I mean, I certainly am now an Elizabeth. I think when I was reading these books, I was mostly Elizabeth, but definitely more of a sprinkle of Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I lead with my Elizabeth, um, but there was an element of fun and not always thinking through everything that I had growing up. Yeah. But now I'm firmly in Elizabeth's camp with the knowledge that Elizabeth can be kind of annoying and a little self-righteous too. <laughs> well, this is such an interesting book with that question because... I think that Jessica and Elizabeth both come off with, it's not like Elizabeth comes off looking like she's great and Jessica is bad. Mm-hmm. It's more like 
Jessica is this like sort of spacey romantic who's not mm-hmm. thinking about consequences. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth is this pragmatic, you know, realist, mm-hmm. which is not how they're always depicted exactly. But um, sometimes we ask the question, who do you think the ghostwriter of the book was, a Jessica or an Elizabeth? Oh. And I don't know what to say for this one because they think they're both painted. Like, Elizabeth is right. Like, she she has the benefit throughout the book of being right. Yeah, on the, like, the, logis- the logical yeah. track. She has the moral high ground about mm-hmm. every single aspect, not to mention the practical thing. But, you know, Jessica says repeatedly, like, oh, don't you have a romantic bone in your body? Like, you know, this is the most romantic thing I've ever heard of. Like, she's really swept up in it. Mm-hmm. That's relatable. But certainly, when you're in high school, it would mm-hmm. be very exciting yeah. to imagine... Yeah, people getting, like, your peers getting married and having that be a thought that that's, like, a possibility for you, too. Well, we should talk more about that in the Extra Drama episode, which will air next week. Awesome. Yeah? It's a deal? Yes. Okay. Um, Beth, thank you so much for being uh, my guest here on Sweet Valley Diaries. I'm so thrilled. Thank you, Marissa, I for having me. I always love to have a wonderful actress as the guest so that uh, the dramatic readings are just that much more dramatic. Oh, I tried to bring my A-game. <laughs> and you did. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, to gosh. put you on the spot? Um, uh, I'm going to be um, appearing in, um, God willing, knock on wood, if I don't get cut, a um, uh, new series on Netflix in May um, called Hollywood. Yay. Um, it's a Ryan Murphy series. And otherwise, I'm just continuing on with our um, theater company, In-House Theater, um, in Los Angeles, hopefully producing continued work in 2020. But apart from that, just trying to manage my life and my almost four-year-old child is keeping me busy. Yes. Uh, you may have seen Elizabeth Schmidt on an episodes of Grey's Anatomy that apparently people see. Oh, yeah. I, I, yes, I've certainly been on, yes, Grey's and a decent amount of yeah procedural television and probably many more commercials you'd recognize me for than anything else. Oh, I saw your Farmer's commercial not that long oh, ago. Oh, yay. Yeah. Yes, with J.K. Simmons. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah. Um, so if you are curious, uh, gladiators, you can go on IMDb. And find the very lengthy list of oh, uh, television sweet. appearances by Elizabeth Schmidt. Although the commercials don't get listed there. No, not there. Sadly. Yeah. As for Sweet Valley Diaries, I will plug our Instagram page. Sweet Valley Diaries is what it is. <laughs> and I only really post once a week there, but it's always great. So definitely follow that. And please tell a friend about the podcast. Just subscribe. Tune in next week for extra drama. That's all I have to say. Thanks for being here, Beth. Yay! Thanks for having me. Will Michael and Maria resolve their differences and go ahead with their wedding plans? Or will their secret engagement destroy their relationship forever? I think it's going to be the latter.